And the idea is you complete me. Well, that's really a very scary concept because if you're going to give yourself over or your emotional happiness over to your partner, what happens if your partner leaves, whether it be because they leave the relationship or whether they pass away or whether they get sick or whether they're stressed at work and they're just not available for a period of time. So if you're expecting your happiness um, to be fulfilled vis-a-vis your partner, you're really setting yourself up. This week, Dr. Karen Sherman and I discuss the negative side of marriage. Less is more. What can you eliminate to make your marriage stronger? Stay tuned. The holiday seasons are just around the corner, and we have the gift that keeps on giving, the Hitched Wine Club. Each month, our wine club partner, Touring and Tasting, will deliver knockout wines to your door or business that you and your spouse can look forward to each month as your time to sit down, sip, and reconnect. With all the holiday meals hitting the table, you'll also feel great knowing that you won't have to stress about going out and getting wine to serve with it. We have a few different club levels and gift options are also available. To learn more, visit hitchedmag.com and click the wine club link. Again, hitchedmag.com and click the wine club link. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Uh, Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find it, keep it, and make it last. Uh, Karen has, you know, we call Karen the original because she has been with us since day one. So for those tuning in for the first time, uh, you know how she has that nickname, for at least from me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so today we're going to talk, Karen, about looking at the negative side of marriage. Uh, And so what I mean by that is we recently ran a story about the things you should quit in your marriage to improve it. And I, I kind of love this idea of marriage advice from the perspective of almost like negative film where mm-hmm. it's all there, but you're kind of looking at it with the opposite. You've inverted the, right. the, the story here. So, um, so for example, one of the things that was in this article is quit thinking of that love is enough for a happy <laughs> marriage. And you didn't write this article that I'm referencing, but would you like to explain why love wouldn't be enough for a good, happy, healthy marriage? You mean the Beatles were wrong? Yes. <laughs> yes. Love is not all you need. Yeah. Well, you know, love is a lovely feeling. Um, it's an, it's makes you tingle and have butterflies, especially in the beginning. But then there's the reality of living life uh, day in and day out. And there's a lot more that's needed besides that good, warm, fuzzy feeling to make a relationship go the distance. Um, There are all kinds of uh, skills that you need, learning how to communicate, learning how to fight properly or have conflicts properly, uh, learning how to uh, run a budget. Um, And all of those things, by the way, are things that should be done respectfully. Mm -hmm. So 
um, thinking, well, we're in love and therefore um, we're going to live happily ever after is a lovely fairy tale, but it is not reality. Love truly is not enough to carry you through the stressors of life, the challenges of life, the realities of life. Mm, okay. Uh, but I, it doesn't I, sound sexy. I apologize for no, that. No, no, I, I haven't heard that song before. But you know, one of the things that I want to you know make clear about all the stuff that we're saying, we're not saying that love isn't important. And I no, realize that's a ridiculous not. thing that I I'm even saying right now. Um, but I, I you bring up a lot of very good pragmatic points to all of this, and which is why um, Hitched has so much content. Because if it was just about love, then it'd be like, well, find the perfect person that you fall in love with and boom, you're good. <laughs> right, right. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of couples do think, well, I love this person. You know, um, why are are we hitting rough spots or why are we getting into trouble? Does that mean something is wrong? No, that really is the um, expectation. And I remember years ago working with somebody, I was working with her individually. And then, um, we stopped, you know, uh, her concerns were taken care of. And then she got married and she called me up frantic and, um, said, could I come in and see you? And the issue for her was that, she all of a sudden didn't feel the loving feelings that she had towards her husband initially and was concerned like something was wrong. And only because I knew her really well, I started to laugh. And she said, why are you laughing? I said, that that's normal. Don't worry about it. That's going to happen time to time. And she said, are you serious? And I said, yeah. And she said, you know, nobody tells you that. Mm-hmm. So um, it's really a much more appropriate expectation to know that love is going to wax and wane and that's perfectly normal. Um, and that again, just having that wonderful feeling isn't going to number one last consistently. And that that is part of the equation. Certainly you need to love each other, but it's only part of the equation. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one of the other things about you talked about waxing and waning of love, uh, we, we know through science that we have a lot of chemicals that run through our body mm-hmm. and a lot of times we, I mean, now we're getting into like the definition of love. Can you quantify it? But because we know that these chemicals rush through our body at different phases of our relationship where we're getting hit with like serotonin and all these other really cool things. Um, those don't last forever. And then they dip and wane as you were talking about. And that might uh, relate those feelings uh, or you might recognize the dip in the feelings, which are really the dip in the chemicals in your body. Yes. Um, yes. Which which may not be mean that you love them less, but it might mean that you're not getting those warm and fuzzies that you once got before. And, and it's kind of freaking you out. But yes. just know that that is biologically what you should expect to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, okay. So what the, another thing to quit is quit expecting your spouse to make you happy. Um, yep. <laughs> what should the expectations be? Well, in a perfect world or at least coming to a perfect world. Let's shoot for it. Let's do it. <laughs> 
you should be making yourself happy. Okay. You should be a whole person. Um, there's a line from a movie many years ago that's probably um, way before most of the listeners' time with Tom Cruise and Meg Ryan, where she says, "You know, you had me at hello." Renee Zellweger. Um, excuse me. Renee Zellweger. Oh, was it? Okay, I, I apologize. I'm not good with that stuff. But anyway, and the idea is you complete me. Well, that's really a very scary concept because if you're going to give yourself over or your emotional happiness over to your partner, what happens if your partner leaves, whether it be because they leave the relationship or whether they pass away or whether they get sick or whether they're stressed at work and they're just not available for a period of time. So if you're expecting your happiness um, to be fulfilled vis-a-vis your partner, you're really setting yourself up. Mm-hmm. What you want to do is be a complete person within yourself and have your partnership enhance that happiness. Okay. Okay, so it's not that you're not getting something from your partner as far as happiness. I certainly hope that you are, but you're not looking to your partner to give it to you. You're looking to your mate to enhance it. Mm, I like that. Yeah, that's a that seems like a very healthy perspective on this. So he it would have been better served to the viewer as you enhance me. Yes. Um, writing the script (laughs) yeah let's keep working that thing Uh, okay okay. um okay so the next thing that uh we think couples should quit is quit keeping score so why is why is keeping score bad okay because a relationship is not equal it's reciprocal okay so it's not going to be well you did x y and z for me so i'm going to do a b and c for you Mm -hmm. and if you keep a score then you're going to get resentful. There are different time periods where um, you may be having to put out a little bit more for your partner, and then there's going to be other times where your partner might have to be giving a little bit more to you. The giving may also come in different forms. So maybe, um, let's say your partner is going through a very stressful time having to take care of elderly parents. And so you have to take on more of the bill paying that your partner normally does. But then let's say that um, maybe, unfortunately, you have to go through some surgery and now your partner ends up doing laundry and does food shopping that you normally do. So it's not a matter of tit for tat and, well, I did this for you, so you do this for me, Mm -hmm. but it's a matter of reciprocity where each of you feel that you're getting something out of the relationship. And there's actually an equation that a lot of people have used as far as looking at when do relationships continue and when do they end. And basically, if you feel that the cost is more than the reward, and I'm talking over a long period of time, almost like the stock market, you can't Mm -hmm. just look at one day or one week. But if in the long haul, you feel that you're not getting anything out of it, then the relationship is probably not a healthy or a good one. Um, So you want to feel as if each partner is getting something in the relationship. But again, it's not a matter of, you know, keeping a scorecard and saying, well, you know, you did two things for me, so now I'll do two things for you. That's only going to lead to um, a feeling of resentment. Okay. 
So I have a I have a question about the keeping score thing. Um, so G- Gary Chapman has uh, a famous book and mm-hmm. uh, about the love languages. Yes. And so one of the things that I was thinking about when it comes to like keeping score is the fact that couples have different love languages. And so yes. one co- if you were keeping score tit for tat, it would it would re- it really doesn't make sense if you go on that philosophy because you and your spouse might have a different love language. It basically Absolutely. means yeah, one spouse might receive their love uh, in the form of gifts, while another might receive their love in the form of service. And mm-hmm. so if you were just saying like, well, I got you this, but you never got me thing in return. Well, it shouldn't bother you that much because you respond better to service. That's um, correct. You and- know, it's funny. I was having the exact same thought as I was answering the question. Um, so let's just clarify for a moment. We've discussed uh, Dr. Chapman's book, previously, Mm -hmm. but for those people who haven't heard that podcast, basically what he's saying is that everybody has different ways in which they feel loved. And there are five love languages that he discusses. Physicality, uh, verbally, random acts of kindness, gifts, uh, getting gifts, and spending time. So basically what you're saying is that If I like to receive gifts um, and all you keep doing is spending time with me and you never buy me a gift, I don't feel loved. And if you like to hear praise, but I never praise you, then you don't feel loved. So you're right. If you're keeping track and you say, well, you know, um, you haven't purchased any gifts for me and I purchase gifts for you. Well, if you like to get gifts because that's your love language, um, and then, you know, it, it gets all messed up because you're not really tuning into the modality that your partner needs. Then for sure, uh, keeping a scorecard is going to get get you into trouble. Yeah, yeah. Um, OK, so that, that I'm, I'm glad you you defined the five love, love languages. Um, OK, so then one of the other things that was mentioned about things couples should quit is quit thinking that they're going to read that your spouse is going to read your mind. Mm-hmm. This is this is something. Yeah, we've talked about this a lot, um, and, and and particularly about how this is just a, a straight up communication failure. Why do we still do it if we know our spouse doesn't have ESP? Is it is it because we have become comfortable with them? Is it because we have crossed some of the similar paths before, so we just assume that they should, you know, continue on that road that we've been on before? Like, wh- why do you think? Um. I think, and I'm going to put a little bit of a bias here, I think that it is partially because we've been with each other so long that we make this assumption that our partner will know what we want. Um, I also, here's the bias, I think women are more guilty of this than men. A lot of times, you know, through our years together on podcasts, I'll say, well, you know, men aren't as aware of this or they're more sensitive. This one I'm going to lay on the women. Women have this fantasy that if you care about me, you're going to know what I want. So I shouldn't have to tell you because if I have to tell you, then that means you don't care about me. We're really setting ourselves up because nobody is a mind reader. And to to make it even more difficult, it turns out that biologically, a man's brain is such that he does not pick up hints. 
So if we're going to rely on the male species to either know what we want or pick up a hint, we're really shooting ourselves in the foot. Um, And so we're doing ourselves a terrible injustice. And what I like to explain to the couples I'm working with is I'll say to the women, but if you, you know, let your mate know what you want and he goes out and really puts out effort to get what you want, that counts. He's letting you know he's heard you and he wants nothing more than to please you to get what you, you know, what you have expressed is what you want. Mm -hmm. Um, Some women can, can buy into that and are okay with that. Other women still have difficulty with it. They they still feel like, no, no, you know, we've been together this long. By now, he should know what I want. Um, and many times they get disappointed. Um, how, how, how can you get people to buy into that? So, it, for example, you tell your spouse, you know, this is all I really need. How, how can you get them to buy into that? I'm not sure what you're asking when you say, you know, this is all I really need. If you tell but, your spouse. Yeah. Well, I, I was just thinking, you know, you tell your spouse, um, all I'm really asking is for this. And mm-hmm. they might think, well, you know, they take it the next step. Well, yeah, you, that's what you say. But, you know, probably this as well. How can you get them to, to like hear what you're saying? Well, I guess that I'm going to assume that, you know, you've said all I really need is to uh, go out to lunch. Mm hmm. And the partner takes you out to lunch and then also goes to a show with you. I guess what you'd have to do is say that was really sweet of you. And, you know, I really enjoy the effort and I, and I even enjoyed the play, but going forward, I'm really happy with just, you know, when I tell you, I'd really be happy with going out to lunch, then you can take me at my word. I think, Again, this is a bit of a communication problem that um, for many couples, you know, it's almost like the old joke of, um, you know, the woman saying to the guy, you know, uh, no, the guy saying to the, to the woman, you know, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. And when a woman says she's fine, it means she's not. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really very difficult because there are these subtle kinds of intonations or unspoken things that get very confusing. Um, you know, I guess one person would have to say, do you really mean that? Would that, would that really be okay with you? Because I don't want to disappoint you or I I really want to make you happy. And the other person, and this is where it becomes a communication issue would have to say, yes, you know, this is truly all I want. Mm-hmm. And and then you go with it. Okay. And let's say hypothetically, the person then follows through and only does whatever it was. And then let's say there's some disappointment. The person could call it, you know, call it and say, you know, you said that this would make you happy, and yet you seem disappointed. Mm-hmm. And that, so that I'm getting starts, mixed signals. I was yeah. about to say, and I was just going to suggest, and that then, actually opens up the opportunity to to dig deeper for for greater understanding mm-hmm. because yes. you might have that might you you have might have said the things that you said in regards to your needs um on the best assessment that you had of yourself mm-hmm. you yes. your your partner responds 
And guess what? You are still disappointed. Right. And so now you have that you, you have now unlocked a greater understanding. But I think the key to that entire process is um, having that kind communication exchange with your spouse and, and expressing that you're not you you recognize that they did what you asked them to do, mm-hmm. but you are not responding the way that you had hoped. That's and correct. therefore you have to self-reflect and say, okay, so that clearly wasn't it. So it might be something else. Let's, you know, and so Mm -hmm. you can, you can move forward from there. And that ladies and gentlemen is how you grow as a couple. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Good job. Good job. Yeah. Uh, So in, in wrapping up here, is there anything else that you can think of that couple should quit to improve their marriage? Couple of things. Oh, couple of things. Great. Yep. Okay. Big one. Don't think that having a child is going to help Uh, a troubled marriage. So quit thinking parenthood will solve problems. Yes. Got it. Okay. If anything, it's going to likely add stress to a troubled marriage. Mm -hmm. Okay. I've I've heard that, um, and we, this might've come from you in a previous podcast, but, um, having a baby enhances what's already there. That's correct. Okay. That's correct. Okay. Um, don't think or quit thinking that you're going on vacation and it's just going to be fabulous without talking about what you each expect it to look like. Mm. Because unbeknownst to each of you, you each have an idea of what you're hoping the vacation is going to look like. And if you don't spend a few minutes describing it to one another, then it's quite possible um, you go there with two different agendas and in the middle of the vacation, uh, one or both of you are very unhappy. Mm -hmm. So take a couple of minutes beforehand and tell each other the way you'd like it to, you know, to happen, to play out. And then that way, if there are differences, um, you know, you can compromise beforehand. I, if I may jump in really quick, um, we've talked about this in the past and I love this one because I first, first off, uh, you know, a vacation itinerary doesn't sound very adventurous, but to your point, Karen, it, it can save so much time and effort and it doesn't necessarily have to be a point by point, hour by hour breakdown, but correct. For, but for example, like I will tell my spouse or she will tell me, hey, I, you know, I would like to go on a couple walks while we're there. Or I might say, you know, I need to I would I would really like some downtime so I can read this book that I brought with me. Um, it doesn't necessarily say, hey, on Friday afternoon, I'm going to sit down and correct. read. But it lets them know that at a certain point I might want to step away and she'll know what that means Mm-hmm. Um, because we've had that conversation and, and then I also don't get upset. Um, if we spend that first day outside being, you know, physically active and I don't get reading because I can assume because she has heard me that we will later on down the line have some of that downtime where she's, you know, catching up with relatives or something and, and I can go in and read, read my book or something. Or at the very least, 
you know, after two, three days, if you haven't had that downtime, you can say, you remember that I said I needed a little downtime. Yeah, And then exactly. it doesn't become an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great right? point. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, the third one that I'm going to say is don't quit thinking that you have to like all the same things in order to be happy. Oh, I love that one. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Dr. John Gottman has shown that 68% of happily married couples do not like the same things. Mm-hmm. That is not what makes a successful marriage. Uh, it's respecting one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last one that I'm going to say real quickly is uh, quit thinking that if you're happily married, you never have conflicts. Oh, that's a great one to end on. Yes. Yeah, I think I, I think that's a great one too because again we have uh, we have talked about this in the past. You don't know what goes on behind closed doors, and uh-huh. so we a lot of and it's amplified with social media because we only see the great things that people post. Yes, and <laughs> so we just make this assumption that like, oh, I know this couple; they're really happy, and uh-huh. all I see from them are happy things, mm-hmm. not ever recognizing the fight that they had the night before or right before they, you know, you guys got together or whatever it may have been. Um, and when I say fight, I, I want to identify the fight as a disagreement. Yes. Um, a mm-hmm. respectful disagreement. Um, mm-hmm. cause that's what you do have in, in good relationships. Yes. Um, so I, I, I love that. Um, so yeah, I'm glad you brought that one up. Okay. Um, well, these were fantastic, Karen. I, I hope we brought some realism to uh, to people's relationships. And the other thing that I one of the things that I do like about this concept, this idea is the fact that so much of what we preach is things that you have to do mm-hmm. to improve your marriage. Mm-hmm. And these are yeah. the things that you shouldn't do. Um, so it's almost like taking things away. It less is more kind of a mm-hmm. concept. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I just kind of like that. So this should hopefully lessen the load for people because you don't have to think about you, you should need to accomplish all these things to improve your relationship. So um, this is fantastic. Thank you so much, Karen. I think we will call it a show there and wrap things up. So thank you so much. Thank you. And before we uh, log off, I want to remind everyone that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life, the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this info and more at her website, drkarensherman.com. Of course, you can find the archive of all the podcasts on our website, hitchedmag.com, along with uh, a bunch of thousands, actually, thousands of articles uh, on how to improve your marriage, uh, whether that be financially, sexually, in-laws. We cover the widest range of uh, articles that you can imagine. Um, And so check that out if you have not visited the website yet. And uh, until next time, we will be back. So one last time, thank you so much, Karen. Thank you, Steve. All right, that's going to do it. Take care, everybody. 